What's up, everybody? It's Friday. That means it's time for another Full Draw Friday. This is number 10. After a little break last week, we're back. Like I said, for number 10 of the Full Draw Fridays. Been doing this for, I guess, technically probably over 10 weeks now. But we've got 10 weeks worth of episodes. So pretty happy with that, how things have been going. Uh, this is a new, if you guys are new to the podcast, the Full Draw Friday is kind of a new thing we've been doing this year. Just started it this season. And our regular episodes come out on Monday. So you guys can check those out too. Last week we had everybody back in studio, which was nice. Kind of wrapped up the 2022 as the year. And then the next one, uh, not the next one, the one after that, we'll probably be wrapping up the whole entire season. So, because it'll be ending here in about a week now. So, thanks guys for tuning into that. Thanks for tuning into this. But like I said, if it's your first time, that's kind of what's going on. So, if you're looking for the main episode, you can find that one wherever you found this one. Uh, it'll just be, the I think the last one was number 59. So go check that out. Like I said, everybody was back in here. It was a good episode. And we got a good one for you today on the Full Draw Friday. I'm going to be talking a little bit. I'm going to read, actually, a little bit out of February's edition of Bowhunter Magazine. And it's going to be from Dr. Dave Samuel. He's talking about managing deer, how it's getting more difficult, and just a little bit of the issue with it. And I thought it was interesting because we talked about it before. It was actually mentioned on the last regular episode of the podcast, something that we've kind of noticed. And it's it's relative to your situation, and it's specific to your property and your deer herd. But I'll get into that in a minute. Right now, I'm going to start off with Dr. Dave Samuel's article called Managing Deer Getting More Difficult. Like I said, this is out of the February edition of the Bowhunter Magazine. If you guys want to check it out, you can go do that. I highly recommend it. We get these things every time they come out. And you've always got really good articles in them, really good content. I like to have the actual physical magazine just to read in. It's kind of nice. You can also get the digital version, though, so make sure you go check that out. I want to give them some support because we do use their stuff a lot on here, so... Getting into the article, it says, even though hunters have longer seasons and bigger bag limits, there's a deer management problem looming down the road. In fact, in some states, the problem is already there. He says, the National Deer Association's annual report showed that in 2020, bow hunters in seven northeast and midwest states were responsible for 40% of the deer harvested in those states. Guns still dominate the way we manage deer, but the fact is that arrows and gaining are gaining ground on bullets. Which I think that's actually kind of a good thing, and he does talk a little bit about it uh, with the crossbows here. I think that plays a huge role in it, not only just hunter success in general, but, but getting more people out there, making it more accessible, uh, making archery season more accessible to people. And obviously, you know, and I'm guessing it's in all states, in, in at least in most states, the bow season does run longer than gun season, so there is more opportunity. Obviously, it's just a little more difficult. So, But either way, it's good to see that the number of bow harvest are, are going up. But we'll go continue into the article here. He goes on and says, Consider my home state of West Virginia. In 2018, archers took 24% of the total deer harvest, and in 2020, crossbows and bows took 30%. In 2020, New Jersey's bow and crossbow harvest comprised 
64% of the total harvest. In Connecticut, bows and crossbows took more deer than guns, 58%, followed by Massachusetts at 50%, and Ohio at 48%. The rise is often attributed to the increase in crossbows, but there are other factors at play here, like urbanization through which bow hunters will continue to shine as management tools. But while urban hunts continue to grow, so does another management problem, the reluctance to shoot does. Okay, so kind of what he's talking about there before we get into that last part, uh, which is really the kind of the meat that I want to talk about from this article. It does have more in it. Again, I'm gonna, I'm not even going to touch the last part of this article, so if you want to check it out, go get the Bow Hunter magazine and do that because it's pretty interesting as well. But with the urbanization, basically the more we expand – cities and and suburban areas the less availability there is for gun hunting because there's more restrictions on it and you can't gun hunt within so many yards of a residence things of that nature so but you can still bow hunt and there's actually not only that side of it there are becoming more opportunities for bow hunting within city limits in certain places. So one of the local cities here just recently within the last few years has started doing a draw for bow permits because they've had so many problems with deer. The populations are getting really high in some more rural cities and even in some bigger cities and areas of some bigger cities, they're starting to have issues with deer populations. So bow hunting is, that's going to attribute to some of the numbers as far as the rise in bow harvest. But that's just one factor, and again, I think probably the biggest one is the crossbows, and I know he kind of talked about that or mentioned that a little bit, and there are a lot of other things that play into it, but that's just kind of what he's talking about there. So the other part, he says, another management problem is the reluctance to shoot does, and we talk about that shooting does quite a bit. I've done podcasts on it, episodes. uh, We've done dedicated full episodes to that. I've done some videos on it in the past. Essentially, to kind of wrap those up, like summarizing my guess, you, it's going to be your specific situation. So if you're, you have to be able to know what your buck to doe ratio is and what your herd looks like. And whether that's on 10 acres or 50 acres or 500 acres, it's going to be different as well. You can only do so much if you can only hunt 10 acres in the area. However, if you can kind of get a gauge on buck to doe in your general area, even if you're not seeing you know, the same on your 10 acres. Maybe you're holding more bucks in your general on your 10 acres than you are does, so you're seeing more antler deer. But you know the general population around you within, you know, five or six properties all around you. There's an issue. There's a high doe-to-buck ratio. Maybe you go ahead and shoot the does that you do see so you can contribute that way. But that's what it comes down to is knowing your herd ratios. And you can do that by trail cameras. You can do that just based on what you see from the stand, kind of take an inventory on your deer and your herd. Obviously, you're not going to come up with an exact number, but you can get close, and you know if you're 5 to 1 does to bucks, then you know you got an issue, you need to shoot some does, and it's not going to be hard to figure that out. Now, if it's closer to like 2 to 1 versus 1 to 1, obviously, maybe you're going to miss that a little bit, but if you're down into that area, you're doing pretty good anyway. If you could get up to 2 to 1 buck to doe, that's a really good spot to be in. One-to-one, I think, is a reasonable number to shoot for. That's generally what I tell guys. And a lot of times you'll hear, you know, and it is better if you have more bucks than does, but in reality, most of us, that's not really attainable. So if you can shoot for as close to -to one-to-one as you can get, I think that's a good place to be. 
But, like he said, a big problem with that is a lot of guys nowadays have a reluctance to even shoot does. Some guys are all about it, shoot every doe they see, which is fine uh, to an extent if that's what you want to do. But the flip side of that is guys that don't want to shoot them at all, and there's not enough of the ones that shoot everything in enough areas to make up for the ones that won't shoot any does at all. So, And I've been guilty of this in the past as well, not shooting any does just because either I didn't want to mess with them or I didn't want to use my tag, I didn't want to mess up the area I was hunting. Which some of that, I've killed those before and had bucks come in, you know, the next two days and be in the same place after I went in there and tracked her and drug her out. So sometimes that affects them, sometimes it doesn't. But overall, you're going to see a lot more benefit from going ahead and shooting those does if that's what needs done than worrying about waiting and killing that buck. Because then you're going to have more opportunities at the buck in the long run. And there's a lot of stuff that goes into that, which you guys can listen to in the other podcasts where we've covered it. I wish I had a list of the ones where we've talked about it, but there's so many times we've talked about it kind of in passing. And then you can go to our YouTube, and I believe I did a video on it uh, probably a year and a half ago now, just solely on shooting does. And then I think I might have done one of these folder off Fridays on it. So I won't get into that too much more, but that's kind of where we're going with this. So he says, he continues in the article here, in West Virginia and in a growing number of states, there's more interest in harvesting bucks than does. Numerous states are now reporting more bow-killed bucks than does, a disappointing fact relative to herd management. So we have a situation where there are more deer, particularly in urban areas. Are f- there are fewer hunters overall and now fewer hunters willing to shoot does. Ohio reduced the cost of doe tags to combat this issue, and initially their approach worked, but when reintroduced in 2020, it failed. Buckeye State hunters just didn't want to shoot a doe for their second deer. Is there an answer to this problem? Maybe, but the options won't appeal to hunters, deer managers, and others. So, what we talked about a little bit on the last regular episode is how if we let the herd numbers get out of control, Mother Nature is going to do her thing, and she doesn't care whether it's bucks or does. We're going to have another issue, like potentially like we did in 2012 or 2007, I believe it was, it may not be EHD. It may just be where the numbers get so high that they start running out of food because they will eat themselves to death in a sense where if the numbers are too high and there's not enough food in a location to hold them, some of them are going to starve to death. They're not going to make it through the winter time. So as hunters, I do think we have a responsibility to that, especially since that's a resource that's been given to us to kind of shepherd over, I guess would be a term for it. If, If you're noticing that you have an extremely high number of deer, which we're getting to that point again, there's a lot of deer out there right now. Um, Like I mentioned, in 2012, we had that big EHD, widespread EHD kill off. It took a while to get back from that. We are, in my opinion, fully recovered from that, not only in buck numbers and mature bucks, but deer numbers overall. And we're getting to a pretty high point again. The state's not going to do anything about it. It's you can't really rely on them to do much. And even if they wanted to, there's only so much they could do anyway. So it falls on the hunter and you and your specific area. And again, you can only do so much in your area, but there's a lot you can do and you can't affect. Again, going back to if you're noticing that you are having a lot more does than you are bucks, maybe you shoot a couple does even if you don't get your buck. Or maybe you shoot two does for every buck you shoot. That way you keep your numbers where you want them to be. Or maybe you have to shoot a doe before you shoot a buck, whatever makes some rules for your property that work for you. And you're going to notice a difference in the level of herd health, 
um, your numbers might be down, so you might not see 50 deer in one sitting of an evening, but the quality of deer will go up. They're going to have more food to go around, less stress on all of them, especially during the rut. That's something we talk about. The less does there are, the less does they're trying to breed, so the less stress they are. The rut isn't uh, spread out as far, like as many weeks as it would be, which you might think is a good thing, but instead of having just that shorter window, like a week or two of really high activity, you're going to have a long stretch strung out rut where you're going to have maybe a few good days, but a lot of times they're not, they're not having to go very far to find their next doe either. So they'll get locked down and they don't travel very much. So if you don't catch them on that day where they're not with their doe, they're already locked down with another one. And then, like I said, they're trying to breed so many does that they use so much energy and it's just bad for overall herd health and the bucks. And then obviously some of the does aren't going to get bred. So there's a lot that goes into killing does in terms of herd management. And I think that's one of the biggest things we can do as hunters to improve your overall herd. Uh, we do a lot towards habitat management. We put in food plots and all this stuff. We run minerals where you can. And we try to do all that to make our deer as healthy as possible and grow the biggest bucks. But then when it comes down to it, maybe we don't want to shoot does because either we want to shoot that buck or, like I said, you just don't want to mess with the does. And that's one thing that's really missed as far as uh, growing the bucks to their full potential is making sure there is a good balanced herd. So that's something, too, if you're interested in managing your deer herd for higher quality deer and even, you know, just for a higher quality herd health-wise, even if you're just out there, if you're not trophy hunting, you're wanting to shoot does and get good meat, the not necessarily the lower your numbers are, but the better they are for your specific property, the closer you are to your optimal holding capacity for your deer herd, the more quality meat you're going to get from that deer because they're going to be healthier overall. So don't forget about shooting does, especially now that we got like a week, just over a week left in the season. Now is a good time to shoot does. I know a lot of guys will talk about, well, you've let them breed now, so they're carrying young ones. If you kill them now, okay, maybe they are bred and you're killing them and the fawn. If you've got high deer numbers, that's a good thing anyway because you've got two for one. But take that versus shooting one in October. Okay, now she's not going to be bred at all. So I, there's not really much difference to me. And so you shoot her now and she's not going to have that fawn in the spring or you shoot her in October, she's never going to be bred in the first place. So I think it's six to one, half a dozen to the other as far as that goes. If you're noticing high deer numbers, you're not noticing – a really high buck to doe ratio you're not close to that one to one this is a good time of year especially on their feeding patterns they're going to be on edge and you got to be careful about it but it's pretty target rich environment right now if you've got the food so maybe you do a little doe management over the next week and a half put some more meat in the freezer and give your deer a better chance to grow bigger next year and kind of help combat this issue that uh Dr. Samuel was talking about in his article. That's kind of what I wanted to cover for this week, guys. Uh, another short, again, if you're new to this, the Full Drive Fridays are usually shorter, 15 to 30 minutes, somewhere in there. I'm going to try to have some guests on this year. Got a lot of things going on in the works. Got some partnerships coming up for this episode, which is exciting. I'm going to try to get maybe Nate. Jeff, Dad, and here a little more on the Friday episodes too, so it's not always just me, and we can talk about some other stuff. I know Nate was on here, I don't remember if it was last week or the week before, or the last one we did or the one before, and it was kind of good just to be able to bounce ideas off each other and talk about things like we would on the normal episode. And then the normal episode, the regular one that we keep 
we'll come out with on Monday still. We're going to do even more guests on there this year. Got a lot of big things coming up as far as that goes. Some more partnerships there as well. So appreciate you guys all listening. I didn't mention all this stuff on the last Full Draw Friday because I was intending to do one there on the 30th. So this will kind of wrap up our 2022 season and the first season of doing the Full Draw Friday episodes. I appreciate all you guys tuning in every week. Every week that we have it out, I'm going to try to do my best to keep them coming more consistently this year and get them out every Friday. I will get back to doing the video at some point. Again, when I a little less pressed for time when it comes to the editing process, that'll be easier as well. But really appreciate all you guys listening. If you want to support us and what we're doing here, you can go to RidgeHunterOutdoors.com and then use the discount code FULLDRAW all caps, no space, and you get 10% off anything on the website, whether it be the food plot seed, which is coming up. You'll want, If you want to do some frost seeding of your clover, check out our Ridge Hunter uh, food plot mix. It's clover and chicory and alfalfa, like 5% alfalfa, um, 85% clover, and then 10% chicory. I think the math comes out right on that. Um, we planted that there at Jeff's. If you want to see what it looks like, what it turned into in its first year there, you can check out the YouTube channel, uh, the Fry Property Vlog, and you can see the clover that we planted out there. That was actually the Ridge Hunter uh, food plot mix. Check that out. Again, use that discount code. You can get 10% off of it. You can get 10% off of any of our scents if you still want to use those for the rest of the year. Don't forget about them. They make pretty good cover scents, and it's that calming spray really this time of year I, I think is as handy as anything, as on edge as the deer are. Spray that stuff out there. Help yourself out that way. Maybe calm them down a little bit. That way they're not quite as spooky when they come into the food plot and you can maybe get away with just a little bit more. Any advantage you can have is going to help. Otherwise, you guys can support without even spending any money. Go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, and we're actually doing a giveaway on that. We're giving away a Wild Game Innovation Spark 2.0 trail camera package. It's the trail camera, the SD card, and the batteries. I think it's valued at 90-some-odd dollars before taxes, so... $90 value just for going and leaving a review. Once we hit 25 of those, we're going to give away that trail camera package to one person that we draw from those 25 reviews. So that's all you got to do. It takes like two minutes to do it. If you've got Apple Podcasts, just go over there on the app. Leave us a one-star, five-star review, whatever. That'll get you entered, and it'll help us get more viewership as well. So another way to support, again. Other ways... You can follow us on Spotify. That always helps if you guys listen to this on Spotify. Um, YouTube, subscribe to that channel. Like any of the videos that you like. Comment on any videos that you want to. That helps us, puts us a little higher in the algorithm so we get more views on those as well. And then the more views we get, the more listeners we get, which this year was the best year we've had. Obviously, we've been doing it for two years. We, we grew exponentially this year, and I believe we're on pace to do that again in 2023 so we're pretty excited about that but the more we can grow the better we can make this for you guys the better caliber guests we can get on um i guess i should say higher profile guests we can get on more notable names because we have some really great guests even guys that you've never heard of or local guys i think they've got as much knowledge as some of the higher profile guys but again there's a reason those guys are where they are so it'd be cool to get some of those guys on and the way we can do that is you guys continuing to support what we're doing and the more viewers we get, we'll be able to do some of that stuff down the road. So thanks, guys, for listening. Again, if you want to do any of that stuff to support, feel free. If not, just keep checking us out every week. That helps as much as anything as well. I appreciate everybody out there. Looking forward to 2023 being another good year and keeping the Full Draw Friday episodes going. 
So we will see you guys next Friday.